Hello everybody, I'm talking today with the wonderful Silky Carlo, director of Big Brother Watch, and we're going to be talking about state surveillance with a particular focus on automated facial recognition. Now, earlier this year I forced a House of Lords debate on this issue, and we spent about an hour and a half discussing it, and everybody, apart from the minister applying for the government, agreed that it was a growing issue which needs further consideration and debate and, more importantly, regulation. And despite my calling on the government to create a legal structure to regulate the use of facial recognition technology by police and security services, they continue to expand its use completely unregulated. So, Silky Carlo, uh, together we are going to find out exactly what's happening with this issue and be better informed to discuss and debate it. Now, Silky and I have worked together a, a few years now and it's always on civil liberties issues and mm -hmm. Silky before was Senior Advocacy Officer at Liberty, so she's got quite a track record in, in civil rights and civil liberties. So, can, you, can we start by your saying exactly what automated facial recognition is and why we should care about it? Automated facial recognition is a type of surveillance software that can plug into any surveillance camera to automatically identify people just by their faces. So in the same way that uh, at borders, for example, sometimes you have fingerprint scanners, um, this is the same kind of thing with a similar level of intrusiveness, except you don't necessarily know that it's happening because, of course, this, this is just going on behind uh, a, a camera that's situated somewhere. But most of us, even technophobes like me, are using it, this sort of stuff on smartphones and on computers to, to make our lives easier. So is there something different about the police using this technology? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and lots of the new technologies that we're seeing can be used in ways for um, access to accounts and this kind of thing, trying to you know make people's lives easier. Although we must be mindful that even then you are giving away biometric data, data that that is essentially biologically describes you and, and uniquely you. So of course, when this is in the police's hands, it's significantly inflates their their power and that's what we've seen you know in London with watch lists of say 500 people put together for facial recognition cameras to to spot people in crowds now that's fine if you have a 100% trust level in the police um, but as you and I know uh, that's not necessarily a, a sensible thing for any uh, democratic society to have uh, and the police already have and unfortunately unless you know we're successful in our campaign will continue to abuse this this kind of surveillance now the police constantly argue that this is legal but it's legal because there's no regulation so um if you don't rule on something then um of course it's legal well i would dispute that i think that um human rights law means that the police need to have uh, there's, there's there's a set of safeguards um and they need to have a that the need to be in place to use a kind of surveillance tool this intrusive uh, and they need to have a lawful basis for using it as well they need to demonstrate that it's absolutely necessary to use this which it's clearly not and that it's proportionate to use it and i think uh, yeah both of those two things are highly disputable but just as a matter of procedure i think it's worrying in a democratic society that police 
now, and, and the government, um, which is of course why we're challenging both, um, think it's acceptable to massively expand the power of the police without a parliamentary debate um, or any law in place. So how widespread would you say this is being used at the moment? At the moment we've seen in the last couple of years uh, four police forces in total use it now. But these police forces are the kind of, you know, this is flagship. And so were it not for um, the noise that we've been making, it may be that it's it may have already been far more widespread than it is now. And so that's the real worry, especially when there's an increasing trend towards centralization of data in government. We just heard last week that um, all biometric data held by government is going to be centralized. So if you have, you know, imagine um, many more police forces using facial recognition. Uh, there's already been talk about centralizing a CCTV network. Um, suddenly you've got a full scale mass surveillance net across the streets of Britain. And something you could share with other countries if, if they decided to. Yeah, absolutely. The, the possibilities for abuse of, of these powers is extraordinary. Now, you've been watching the police using this, and I think um, it wasn't a huge success, is that fair? No, it wasn't a huge success. It was, it was painfully embarrassing and chilling, really. So um, we observed the police using automated facial recognition at Notting Hill Carnival last summer. Uh, we were invited into the surveillance van. We saw the whole, you know, red squares over... Uh, people's faces as they were walking down the street. Um, and then we saw two people identified by the system. Um, but they were both innocent women walking down the street who were identified as old, balding men. No. Um, so it was completely uh, and entirely different. Obviously, the, the, the algorithm's going to get better over time. And, you know, that's just going to create a new set of worries. But... Um, you know, even uh, last week when the Metropolitan Police used facial recognition again, um, some of our friends from Liberty were invited to go and observe. Um, and they saw a very, you know, the kind of scenario that we've really been fearing with this, which is a young black man stopped, publicly searched, asked for his ID um, because of yet another misidentification. So he was misidentified? He was misidentified, yeah. Uh, apparently the Met Police did admit that it was 98% uh, a failure. Mm. Um, now, I know we shouldn't uh, concentrate on um, the negative, but clearly that is an appalling <laughs> figure yeah. for success, 2% mm. success. So mm. y you feel that they're using it so that they can um, refine it or mm. improve it? Mm. It's artificially intelligent software so from every person who gets misidentified and stopped by the police or whose photo ends up on a database that's actually generating you, you can actually see that as generating profit for the company that provides the software because it means the software is going to get better with every mistake that it makes um it it learns from that mistake but the cost is obviously our civil liberties at the moment then you're suggesting that it's um it's sexually indiscriminate mm. um it can't actually separate men and women but also there's going to be some real uh, racist profiling 
Yeah, I, I think that's certainly a worry. I mean, it's a worry for two reasons. Um, one is because of the existing patterns of discrimination that exist in, in the police force, unfortunately. Um, you know, seven times more likely to be stopped and searched if you're uh, black or minority ethnic in this country, which is really shameful. So it does follow, of course, that um, the people who are on police databases, the people that police will run uh, to go and stop and search as they did last week, despite the fact this was a misidentification, will be primarily groups that have been over-policed and targeted. Um, but the other reason is that actually the well, there's lots of research um, into existing facial recognition systems that shows that most of them um, are more prone to misidentify black and minority ethnic people's faces um, for a multitude of reasons you know to do to, to do with either uh, implicit bias on the programmers part or training data which, which is you know a problem we've seen across all, all kinds of technological developments um, where diversity is overlooked now you've um, referred a couple of times to something that we're doing together yeah uh, we um, you at big brother watch and me as a peer have actually started uh, legal proceedings against the Home Office and the police. Can you describe that for us? Yes, so we have uh, decided that the best route of action now, after engaging with the police uh, for quite some time, and you um, managed to, to secure the first parliamentary debate on this issue, which was well overdue and much needed, and it was a fantastic debate. Um, so, you know, the, as you said, you know, the, the, the minister didn't see the issue for what it really is, which left us with, with no option really, but to write to the police and to the Home Secretary and say, can you, can you tell us if you're going to stop using it? Because it's quite clear you don't have a legal basis. And if you don't, then we will proceed with a, a judicial review. Um, and and we, we will bring that under the Human Rights Act because it's clearly a disproportionate invasion with people's right to a private life and of course freedom of uh, assembly and association and I would imagine in much of the work that you do it would have a significant chilling effect on whether you would be able to meet uh, colleagues campaigners whistleblowers and so on that's certainly, uh, I mean, from my point of view, I couldn't care less whether I'm monitored or not because I boast about what I'm doing most of the time. So mm. it, it's not a problem, but I can see for other people it would be a problem. Mm. And particularly if I do want to meet whistleblowers who occasionally come to me with terrible stories, then uh, they probably don't want to be identified, at least in the early stages of our mm. discussions. And so, yes, it could, it could put them off. There's also the fact that I think uh, peaceful protest is a really useful tool for well, not only demonstrating to governments how people feel, but also for developing a sense of camaraderie amongst campaigners. Mm. And if this sort of thing puts people off peaceful protest, then I think that's a very bad thing. That's, that's a crucial part of our democracy. Mm. And it would be a pity if people were deterred. So um, for me, that's, that's the, the problem. Absolutely. And, and we've already seen a police force using the technology at a peaceful protest. And Which one was that? Uh, that was at a anti-arms demonstration in Cardiff, which is really, really worrying. And, and, and we spoke to some of the activists who were there who said it, you, you, you've therefore felt kind of criminalised just from the moment of standing there. And it, and it seemed to escalate the atmosphere, which was actually quite a peaceful, jovial atmosphere. It suddenly became quite 
intimidating absolutely Mm. um and i think it's really instructive that the un's special rapporteur on privacy who visited us a a couple of weeks ago uh left the uk concluding um that the use of facial recognition here is absolutely chilling and it's very difficult to see how it could ever be uh, compliant with the human rights framework which is you know at least reassuring that that's exactly what we've been saying so I think we'll be proven right and that was the word used chilling yes it was yeah yeah no that's very very disturbing Mm. now Liberty as well is doing the same sort of thing that Big Brother Watch is doing um, but they're doing it in Wales and Mm. they're a little bit farther forward are they yes um, so South Wales police have uh, said to them essentially they're they're very welcome to bring the challenge so they've gone ahead and done it um here you know the met is the biggest police force in the country um and we've also sent pre-action letters to the home secretary so um their response so far has been to delay um so we're not able to proceed right now um and not only to delay but during that delay to actually do yet another deployment of, of the surveillance, which was which was last week. And that was when, uh, you know, as I'm sure many more people were, but that we know of, uh, a young black man was, was stopped and, and publicly humiliated for no reason. So it's the police who ask for the seven-day delay? And the Home Secretary, yes. Oh, right, both of mm. them. And in fact, they asked for 14 days, and we felt we were incredibly generous in offering them seven. Yes, I think so, very I mean, generous. you know, it's a big government, it's a big police force. <clears throat> yeah. They can pull themselves together. Now, um... What actually got you interested in this issue? And and you obviously have spent a lot of time working on it with limited resources. So what drives you in particular on this? Um, I think with any... So my my real interest is is in technology and human rights. Um, And I think with any new technology, it's really important to foresee the risks... Um, and, you know, a really important phrase that I really try to live by in civil liberties work is um, foresee the ends and resist the beginnings, uh, which might sound quite dramatic, but if you really think about um, what an extremist automated facial recognition can do, it can transform a society from a free one into an oppressed one. Um, So if we do end up in a situation where our CCTV network, which is one of the largest in the world, it's only beaten by China, um, becomes infused with extra surveillance software, uh, watching people, identifying us by our faces everywhere we go. Um, Not only will that allow the police to abuse powers, um, and to, you know, as we've already seen them do just in the trials, target people with mental health problems, target uh, minority ethnic people, uh, target activists, but it will actually change us um, as, a, as a nation and, and as a society. Absolutely. Our expectations of privacy will disappear. Um, our, in a sense of freedom in public spaces will be limited because we'll know we're being watched and we'll modify our behaviour. And that's really terrifying. What's the end game for campaigners? I mean, what are we aiming for? It'd be great for the police to say, yes, it's a... A really, first of all, it's useless, and secondly, it's a bad system, um, mm. so we're not going to use it anymore. But I can't see they're doing that. So, what's the end game for us? No, they won't. And, and I think this is why you know the next ten years are going to be so interesting because um, this is a, a the, the tensions between uh, new technologies, particularly surveillance technologies, and human rights are playing out. Um, the police aren't going to, uh, you know, they are not. Um, 
primarily concerned with upholding human rights. Um, so, you know, they're concerned with catching criminals, understandably. Um, but that's why our voice uh, and role in this is so important. So it's by bringing the legal challenge, I think we've got to test, ca can the human rights framework actually carry us into this new world with the same democratic freedoms that we've had before? And I really think it can. And I, and I think that's why our legal challenge is going to be so so vital. I think we'll win in the courts. Uh, one of the things that really annoys me as a parliamentarian who starts to look at actually how taxpayers' money is being spent is that the police are spending so much time, so many resources, on a technology that's clearly failing. Mm. And that offends me from a taxpayer's point of view. Um, so it's not only the civil liberties issue. It is actually are the police actually catching criminals when, in fact, they're spending time on people that they're misidentifying and um, and upsetting because they're doing something unfairly? Yeah, exactly. Um, millions of pounds have been spent. We found in our investigation that the Home Office has spent about three million as well just on these trials. I mean, just, just on a number of uses that there seems to be no real policing benefit from. Um, and by... By doing this so recklessly uh, and not observing the law, they have now exposed themselves to uh, liability yes. um, through, through legal challenge. And they, they have forced um, society into a position where our only option is to bring a legal challenge. Take them to court. It's going to cost them money. It's going to cost yeah. us money as well. If yeah. anybody wants to donate to Big Brother Watch to cover these expenses, that's great. Mm. But, I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money when, in fact, all they need to do is ask the government to bring in some criteria for the use of this technology. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean that's what we said in our, in our pre-action letter, isn't it? I mean, we said to, to the Home Secretary, if you, if you believe that the use of this technology is necessary and proportionate, we invite you to demonstrate that and to demonstrate it in Parliament um, by bringing forth um, some legislation. But there is no appetite for doing that. And actually, I mean, my feeling, and I think uh, you know, you know, of, m of multiple human rights experts um, appear, and other human rights groups around the world, um, the view ap appears to be, which I share, that it clearly isn't a necessary and proportionate policing tool to use in public spaces. Um, you know, we wouldn't accept fingerprint scanners as you walk down the street or DNA checkpoints. Or eyeball scanners. Into or exactly. Um, so, you know, it's, abs it's just a really, really overblown intrusion of people's privacy. Now, there's all sorts of um, arguments that people are going to use against what we're doing, i.e., um, uh, the classic one is, if you're not a criminal, you don't have to worry about having a photograph taken. What would you say to that? Well, you're probably more qualified to answer this because you're not a criminal <laughs> and you had your photo taken. Yes, um, but as I say, as a politician, I'm, I, you know, it, it, it doesn't stop me doing anything. Even no, if I get arrested, on the one occasion I got arrested, I was de-arrested after three minutes because they don't want to mm. um, have a lot of fuss with a, with a parliamentarian. So um, mm. it, it probably affects me less than others, in yeah. fact. But it affects democracy as a whole. You know that you had three, that I can think of, just off the top of my head, three uh, senior, high-profile green politicians who, whose only 
uh, offence is trying to save the planet who ended up on a domestic extremism database. Mm. It's harmful to democracy. And, and, and we speak to lots of um, you know campaigners who don't have a big public profile, who don't have prestigious positions in, in society, who have also been targeted by the police in this way. So I think you know it's just really... It's not only criminals who are affected by this. And it's not even just campaigners and activists. It can be anyone. The scary thing is there are almost 3,000 photos, of biometric photos, of people on police databases um, right now. Uh, and those people have no idea that they're on the database because they've been misidentified and the police have held on to those images. I have asked questions about this in the Lords and I've been told that anybody can apply to the police and have their photograph taken off but of course as you point out they have to know that it's on there and in any case why should we have to go to the bother of doing that mm. when the police should just discard photographs that are clearly wrong yeah exactly and if they you know if they were, if, if they were really serious about that proposal as a remedy um, you would have um, gosh at least 10 million people that have been in the vicinity of these um, facial recognition cameras who would be writing into the police, having to then provide another photo to be biometrically matched, um, asking if to be removed from the database. It just defies logic. It, it, it is a mad, a mad system. Um, I do think probably the Met Police regret putting me on their domestic extremist database. I expect they I, do. <laughs> I have made so much fuss about it in the media and in Parliament, and I think probably it was a bad decision on their part. But, you know, mm. um, they do it all the time to innocent people. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to ask you as well, because, of course, this technology is used in places like China and India, and mm. they seem to have more success out there. Would mm. you say that's true? Um, it seems to be, I mean, depending on how you define success, I mean, in terms of uphold in China, you know, in terms of upholding quite a totalitarian system, it seems to have done quite well. I mean, things like, you know, they've really lauded over the fact that at a concert they pulled out someone who was, had a, I don't know, was wanted for some, uh, some crime that seemed f fairly kind of minor. We've actually seen the same here. Um, police have used facial recognition cameras at concerts to identify um, people that have a record of uh, phone thefts and, and this kind of thing. It's very, you know, low, low level. Um, at the same time, you know, they're using Ed Sheeran concerts. I think about 98% of the attendees are 14 or younger. Um, and so, you know, you're going to end up with police databases with children on them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the more we talk, the more depressing it becomes. Um, I uh, wanted to ask you more questions. Now, criminals always keep up with, with what the police are doing, and in fact, they're usually ahead and the police are playing catch-up. And so, uh, do you think possibly there are criminal uses for this over and above the police using it? That there are ways that criminals could use facial recognition technology? Yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to... You know, if you're, if you're using uh, face recognition to get access to your phone, um, you know, whereas normally you have a phone snatch there might be some kind of extended altercation if um, then you're, you need to actually be looking straight into the, into the phone to unlock it. Um, you know, it's the, always been the risk with having fingerprint access to cars, for example. Some horrible things happened, um, you know, when, when that was first introduced. What sort of horrible things? Well, if well, you people need, having their fingers cut off. It did happen. <gasps> right. Um, <laughs> 
Now, uh, one of the other things that people might say um, adversely about us is uh, you're too focused on human rights and not on fighting criminals. Mm. Well, of course we're focused on human rights. That's our, that's our job. Um, and it's for the police to, to catch criminals. And so it's, it's, it's absolutely necessary that there is a debate. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't the police uh, and it wasn't government who brought forward this debate. Uh, you know, it's been us and it's been the product of our investigation. And now it's uh, the, the legal challenge that, that we're both um, bringing. Um, but, you know, I would say sometimes and there's a great there's a particularly really uh, terrible misconception in the police um, that the human rights framework somehow obstructs uh, policing and the catching of criminals. It's precisely the opposite. The human rights framework also um, puts an obligation on the police and government to keep people safe. So what the human rights challenge will do is identify where the line should be drawn. Um, and given that the, 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 the UN Special Rapporteur has already said that it's really quite difficult to imagine how this could ever fit in a democratic society. The ACLU in the US are saying the same. What's the ACLU? The American Civil Liberties Union. The human rights groups in Australia are saying the same. Germany, all over Europe, and then here in the UK. Uh, I think there are enough voices now of experts uh, who, you know, uh, we are we are saying the same thing. Automated facial recognition has no place in a democratic society. Are there other countries who have regulations that we could just just take and use? I mean, is it very complicated to start creating these regulations? Well, there there isn't a country that has a regulated automated facial recognition system, um, you know, with a live uh, facial recognition with uh, public CCTV. Um, not in a democracy, of course, China has it, um, but no, not in a democracy. And that's what makes this legal challenge so um, interesting and vital because um, what we will do is set a precedent for the rest of the EU and hopefully um, a good one for the rest of the world to look to as well. It does seem odd, um, you and me sitting here together, when we are threatening the Home Office and the police all on our own, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we've given them an extra seven days to mm -hmm. come up with some sort of answer to our letter mm -hmm. and our challenge to create some rules for themselves or ask government to do it. And what's the next step after that? So... Um Given that they have already, that they have used the extension time to fit in yet more surveillance using facial recognition of Londoners, um, we can probably assume that their response uh, isn't going to be satisfactory, in which case, um, you know, what we should do is, is proceed um, with, our, with our claim and, and let's test this in the courts. Um, but that's where we're really, I'd like to think that we're really not alone because this uh, case will be crowdfunded, uh, which is why, you know, so far we have just over 60 people who have donated to our uh, crowds justice campaign in order so that we can bring this litigation. Um, and so it's as much, uh, you know, I think we would agree, it's, it's as, this challenge is in as much their names as it is ours, uh, and more widely it's in the interest of the, of the public at large. 
Well, it's always very exciting to work with organisations like Big Brother Watch on such important issues as civil liberties and, and privacy that uh, we, we should care more about. In, in these days of social media, sometimes we give up a lot of our privacy. Mm. But in fact, um, I think there might be a backlash against that and we might start actually caring about it a little bit more. So, mm. Silky, it's great working with you. And Likewise. Thanks for, thanks for coming today. And uh, I look forward to our challenge to the Home Office and the Met. Me too. Thank you. Mm.